All right. It's Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. And it's um, Wednesday night, September 11th. And uh, we're going to get ready to get started on our show. We start at 9 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate it. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Z. Thank you guys so much for coming in tonight. So we'll get ready to get started. Um, so it's September 11th, and we've all been seeing in the news and in our posts and stuff uh, about 9-11. And if you're over 24, you remember it. It was a significant change in all of our lives and the way that we went about our days and how we protected ourselves. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But we'll first get started with three cheers of joy. I think I'm a little somber tonight. At least I feel like it. So we're going to see how it goes. If I perk up a little bit or not, or if I just go with the feeling, this natural feeling of submitting to, you know, the surroundings and things around me and um, how I feel about 9-11 and how I process the day. And it's almost a full moon, so I'm sure that affects it too. So anyway, let's start with three cheers of joy. So each week we start with three cheers of joy, and that's when I select three things that I'm celebrating that reminds me that I'm alive and um, to remind me that I'm great and that I, um, thank you, I, I feel like it too, that to remind me that I'm great and to remind me that everything that happens in my life is a reason. There's a purpose behind it, and it keeps me going. So let's see, my first celebration tonight is um i had dinner with my son so well you guys i don't know if i've ever talked about this really but i'm the non-custodial parent of my son he lives with dad and um, that's something we all agreed upon about 10 years ago 11 years ago so since i've moved back to the tampa area i'm able to see my son every week and so that's been about three years now and i'm able to see him every week and we go to dinner and we sit and talk and um, I can see him more often than that, but we take our time on Wednesdays to spend time together. And tonight we uh, went to dinner to a Japanese steakhouse where they cook in front of you, the hibachi. So that was a lot of fun. And I'm really grateful for him because he's tenacious and he makes me talk. I don't really talk a lot of politics, but he loves to talk politics. So I have to stay abreast of current events because he'll want to spar with me and I just try to help him to know that his ideas are great and um thank you so much Sheila that his ideas are great and his presence is important because he's a man he's a young black American male and you know he really has limited time to be questioned on his movements he has to be sure of them so I'm really grateful that I spent time with him today and we had a great dinner so I'm drinking um two things I've got some Hornitos tequila. Haven't even had a sip yet. Just poured it in my Yeti. What's in your Yeti? And I also have Dasani sparkling water with lime. I love those. Um, Dasani, I drink them a lot. So, uh, yeah, so that's my first celebration, spending time with my son. And he's just, he makes me just feel so important. And he makes me want to be good. So cheers to Quentin. My baby boy, he's 16. So cheers to him. And what a great afternoon we had today. And it's so funny because we went to have dinner and I'm looking at the menu, like, what will I have? And then it's time for him to order. And he's like, I'll have this shrimp and lobster. And I was like, oh, you're feeling some kind of way? Is it your birthday or something? Damn. I should have put a budget on him, a limit. <laughs> but he was very confident in his ordering. And uh, I love to see men, men. So that's my first celebration. The second celebration is I went to the golf course twice by myself this week. Well, I went on Saturday. I went on Friday and I went on Saturday. So I went twice by myself and I hit a bucket of balls, about 70, 80 balls each time. And I'm learning a lot about myself. Um, I mean, other than I'm, I'm obsessive, like once I start something, I want to be great at it. So I'm really pleased that I started playing golf. I've never played a sport in my life. So at 50, I'm taking up a sport for the very first time. So cheers to golf. This is going to be interesting. And I met a really awesome uh, man. He's a ju retired judge on the golf course. And he made some recommendations for me and talked about 
being from um, Tallahassee and living in Lakeland and how he retired from the bench like 43 years ago. So second cheers is to golf. So cheers to golf. And my third cheer for um, this week is that I have really been able to um, establish a collective of really positive, yummy male energy. Um, and I, it, it just dawns on me that I spent so many years trying to, thinking that I needed to engage in maybe sexual acts or relationships with men to get their energy. But as an adult now, I realize I don't. So, um, and all of it, everything is a learning process. So, and I could spend hours talking about this idea, but I'll just touch on it real quick. So I mentioned before I came here and I started going to a cigar bar and at the cigar bar, there are just a group of men that come there to smoke, and it's always, always positive energy. So I got in, not only did I have an opportunity to hang out with some positive male energy last night at the golf course, because they do a little practice clinic where they help you with your swing and give you advice and that type of thing. So I was able to hang out with them and have a cocktail and smoke, but there were also two beautiful women, uh, grown-up women, 40s, late 40s, uh, maybe mid to late 40s. I'm not sure of one's age, but the other one I think is pretty close to my age. And they were there too. And we had like an amazing opportunity to share and hang out. And it helped me to remember or to realize that goodness comes as it comes. You can't force it. Like you can't force people into relationships and you can't make people stay. So that made me feel really good to know that, um, I just had got to hang out with some really good women last night and the good energy from the men. And I need that. I need to keep a balance. So cheers to my uh, golf family. And that's interesting in itself because it's a golf family. I've never had one before. So cheers to my golf family. Cheers. So let's see. So I had a cheers to my son having dinner with him. I had cheers to the fact that I started my first sport at 50, which is golf. And I figure I'm going to have to take some lessons. <laughs> I definitely have to take some lessons. And then third, my golf family for just having such a great masculine energy without any um, pressure of anything and allowing me to be myself in a safe space. So those are my three cheers of joy. I'm so excited about them. And um, so that's it. So let's see what else I have to do my... Facebook post of the week. I actually had a couple different Facebook posts of the week and I kind of I'm been doing them fleetingly because I'm so I feel like I'm busy, right? I feel like I have a lot going on and I'll get on Facebook and engage a little and then I get off and so I'll see something and I like it and then you know, I'll screenshot it and you know, and then I'll just keep moving. So I think I let me look real look through here real quick to see which one I wanted to use, but there are a lot of good ones out there that came up. Um, let me see real quick. Uh, so that one was funny. I'm looking at it now. And, um, that's the one from Sheila from last week. Definitely love that. So, oh yeah, I need to contact that guy right there. I forgot about him. Dang. I've been getting a lot of posts this week about people who've been receiving my books in mail in the mail. So I'm really excited to see what their reviews are. Sheila's on here. She just read my books. So I can't wait till she say what she thought about it. <laughs> I get so tickled because nobody ever expects them to be as yummy as they are. And they're so good. So she um, got to read one too. Oh, you know what I noticed? Remember a couple weeks ago, we had the discussion about Chick-fil-A and Popeyes. Well, there was a post saying that there was a outbreak of salmonella in Atlanta area and it was linked to the chicken sandwiches from Popeyes. And I was died laughing when I read that because I thought if there was ever a conspiracy theory about trying to kill or harm or injure Black American people that that would have been perfect, you know, put it in the chicken at Popeye's, come out with a chicken sandwich, come out with something novel and let black people kill themselves, fight over it and let them get salmonella. So 
I thought it was funny and it definitely puts you on notice that when something new comes out and it makes you want to fight somebody or wait forever for it and you know thank you so much Leon if you you know want to fight somebody for it or whatever then it's just pretty much telling you you need to chill right it might not be the right thing for you so I don't really know the accuracy um, of that report because I didn't go in and read it but it was funny I did think it was funny and uh, let's see so the post I think I love very much is so this is kind of good because it's kind of funny but uh, it says and I don't even know who posted this I did a screenshot and cut off the name so my bad if I stole your post it says get you an n-word that's medium hood you know work a nine to five but we'll shoot an n-word at six so I thought it was funny I, so I like that because as a woman we do want to balance right you hear women are interested in good guys and the bad guys aren't good you know so you kind of go back and forth back and forth and this is just saying you know what find you a regular guy get a regular guy who protect you find you a regular guy that's going to go to work and still protect his family and I, the way that they put it, it was just so common because it makes you think that, you know what, that would be really cool if I could find somebody that, <laughs> if I could find somebody that loved me and would take care of me, but still managed to protect me too. So let's see, Sheila, oh, Sheila is she's responding about my book. Oh my God, not what I was expecting, so much more. I totally loved it. I can't wait till the next, I'm still smiling. Yay! And that's the virtues of joy, right? And um, so I've given out several on my on the Wednesday nights, and that's what I've been saying for prizes, just to send me your address and I'll send you a book. And I've just want I'm, I, I went from this moment of trying to sell every single book, like I gotta sell them, I gotta sell them. And, and just more of, I just have to get people to read them. Because if I can get people to read them, because me trying to sell them and they they sell amazon barnes and nobles people buy them but for me to force sell was taking away taking away the organic read right it was taken away of the organic read of um people just reading it and enjoying it because sometimes people buy it because they're like oh my girl wrote this but i want you to read it and it's important enough for me to just share it so that's really cool. Thank you, Sheila. I appreciate you. And I love that you're still smiling. Those stories are hot, girl. So uh, so that's my Facebook post of the week, that you get you a guy that's medium hood. He go to work. He make his money. And let it come down to a bar fight. He still got you at the club, right? And, it's, you know, you don't want anybody off balance. You don't want somebody to work all the time and don't have any balance or someone that don't work and all they do is fight you know so you do need a balance so whoever created that meme was definitely intuitive and definitely trying to make sure that uh people understood <laughs> that people were people understood understand the importance of having a balance in a relationship and hi simone renee hi there thank you so much for today i got all of your love on my post i appreciate you hi there so um yeah so that's it we had three cheers of joy we had our facebook post of the day which is i'll now post it on my page because it's funny and you think about people who are settled into who settled into what they're doing and not trying to get in trouble but we all want the same thing work hard and take care of me that's what we want to do right we want you to work hard we want you to take care of us and i think men probably want something similar and i'd have to wait to see how they verbalize that so it's wednesday night november 11th november slow me down september 11th and um it's the 18th anniversary of our 9 11 terrorist attack the bombing of the world trade center and um almost the white house definitely the Pentagon right so four planes so um, that brings me into the next part of the show because I didn't realize until today when I was having a conversation with um, some students about 9-11 is the change for me like and then other things that changed that made us 
change period as a nation as cultures things that we had to do to protect us so today is 9-11 and it's the anniversary of the bombing of the world trade center our terrorist attack that killed 2977 people with more than 350 firemen 20 some odd police and almost 30 port authority um officers so and the age range was from two to 85 of those that died in the attacks. So that was a big day for us. And I mean, I'm 50, so I remember where I was, what I was doing, um, what was going on. And I just taken my daughters to school and I was at home getting ready to go to work. And at the time I was traveling for work and I had the TV on in the living room and I was, just getting dressed, walking through the house, making sure, you know, clean up the kitchen, that kind of thing, just getting ready to go. And I remember the TV being on and talking about a plane crash into the World Trade Center, into the first tower. So it was scary, but it was the first time it happened. You're like, oh my God, what happened? Like somebody, it was, it was an accident. I think we all kind of thought it was an accident. And then minutes later then the second the next tower and then we realized it wasn't an accident but we still didn't know what to do and i don't think as a nation we ever felt as disconnected from each other as we all felt in that moment because no one knew what to do and keep in mind cell phones were new the internet was new all of these things were new and we're trying to transition with our technology and now all of a sudden we're held hostage by the impact to our money center, the World Trade Center, like the World Trade Center. That means all financial tra transactions, most went through this place in New York City. And I don't know growing up in America if I ever felt fear from other countries. You would hear about stuff, Iran Contra affairs, you'd hear about wars, in Afghanistan. You hear about stuff off of our soil and you knew that our troops went too, but we never had to worry about here at home what it meant until 9-11. And I was really afraid and I didn't know what to do if I had to just go get my kids from school, if I couldn't get them from school, if I, what do I need to do? So I left and I went on to work and I was working about 25, 26 miles from where we lived at the time. So I went on to work because we were buying a pharmacy and I was managing the transaction, the movement of drugs from one place to, a to the next. So I had to be there. So it, it wouldn't have happened if I wasn't there because I was the overseer of that. So we're talking about emptying a pharmacy, moving to a new pharmacy, a secure movement of prescription drugs. So. I went on to work, but when I got there, even my boss, people who would be a part of the process were literally standing around talking, trying to figure out what to do next and if we should even make the move. So the idea that we had now been invaded, like there was a terrorist attack on US soil, we were all held hostage. And I don't know that if I was ever less prepared to be American than I was in that moment, because I didn't have any resources. I didn't have, I couldn't protect my family. I didn't have any weapons. I didn't know if that meant people were coming into the country and taking over parts of the country. The things that happen in other countries, I expected to have happen in the United States. So it really put me in a unique space of um, fear for the time being, like, cause I didn't know what to, have, what to do. So I stayed at work for a while. My ex-husband was at work at the time and then I left and then I immediately went to get my daughters. And um, I remember saying, talking to them afterwards because they weren't talking about it much at school. And keep in mind, the internet was nothing, right? Barely. We weren't Googling. We weren't watching live feed on Facebook. We weren't watching Twitter. We weren't going through all this live information. So the kids were very limited in what they had. And the parent, the teachers were even like, um, well, we didn't tell them what happened. We just told them that you guys would talk to them about it at home. You know, so it was really kind of that hush, 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 when you could control the flow of information to your children between school and home. 
And I just remember talking to my kids, but I couldn't tell them that I could protect them. I mean, I could protect them in our house as long as no one came in our house and took it from us, right? And I had read books about uh, terrorists and military in other countries and organizations going in and just killing families and taking over their home. So now that's how I felt being in the United States that we had been violated. So all of those thoughts came back to me today when I was talking to some students about 9-11 because they have questions, but they don't really know the questions that they have. They just know that something happened and um, how, what has changed since and you know, how did it impact us? So as I was talking, and they were talking about the World Trade Center. And, you know, it's like, well, it's in New York City. And, you know, I'm explaining it to them. And they're asking questions like, well, is New York, where, where, is, where is New York? Like, and is it here? And I'm like, hold on. You know, so it's like, literally, let's pull out a map and let's see where New York is in reference to where you are. So it's just putting some things in perspective because we give so much understanding to the mind of placement of the map that we don't realize how many people don't know, even adult people don't know where they are on the globe. You can ask adult people where they are on the map and they'll have a hard time telling you or ask them about specific places and they'll have a hard time telling you. So when children ask, I really take it to heart to explain to them where they are on the globe so that they understand the placement of the United States in the world and how we're a remote country. And people don't come to us to terrorize us because nobody's traveling that far. By the time somebody travels that far to terrorize us, we already know about it. We have amazing intelligence. We have military second to none. Like we have all of these safe holds, but we're ignorant of the dangers of the things that lurk out there because we don't know exactly all of them that are out there so we talked about that and then i had one student asking me like well what did they do they just kicked down the door of the plane and just come on the plane and took over and it just hit me like wow you know we didn't have tsa pre-check we didn't have security checks you could literally walk to the gate with the person that was flying and hug them goodbye when they got on the plane, right? You could get it, you could walk with them on the plane to put their stuff up and get off the plane. Like it was so much freedom in our movement that we were so comfortable that our safety, we were taking advantage of, you know, that um, opportunity to attack us was right there. So that was really um, just a significant moment for me. And it also made me realize that I had the opportunity to visit the World Trade Center as it stood and go up to the observatory and see New York City. And that would have been early, gosh, 2000, no, 19, maybe 1998, maybe 1997, that I had the opportunity to go there with a friend of mine, Sharon. And so I got to see that. And then after 9-11, I had the opportunity to go back to New York to go to the hallowed ground of the World Trade Centers as they were cleaning it up. And one of the things that I remember being there, and you guys know, I already say I'm an emotional processor. So when I'm in a place that there are a lot, there's a lot of energy, there's been a lot of death, or there's a lot of pleasure, whatever it is, if I'm in it, I process it. And that's a gift that's a gift of mine from the universe. So I remember going and being in New York City and going there, there's so much noise, honk, honk, and cars and people and all this noise. But when we got to the <clears throat> World Trade Center where they were cleaning, almost excavating, I guess, cleaning up still after 9-11, it was so quiet. Like it was this unspoken moment of respect. And everybody knew that so many people died here that day and our lives changed whether i don't it doesn't matter to me people because i'm sure there are people like that when well, it didn't affect me fuck this da 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 whatever your stance is that changed the way we operate and so i just remember standing there with my kids and even they were quiet i didn't have to tell them to be quiet they were quiet. And at this time, my son was born. So I guess, and he was in a stroller. So he was less than one, maybe 
maybe one. So that would have been 15 years ago, which was about four years after. And it's like this hollowed space of like a sanctuary. And I, I just was, oh, it's overwhelming when you have the opportunity to visit these places. So I've gone back since, it's now that the memorial is finished, it's beautiful. Every name that died in the World Trade Center is etched in the design of the memorial and it's something to see. It's a fountain that lasts, it's just this endless fountain and it's beautiful. And there was, they're not, they didn't rebuild the Trade Centers and they talked about it, what will we do next? And they spent years debating it, trying to figure out what to do with the money. How do you honor the firemen? 350 something firemen that died that died trying to evacuate a building full of people following their procedure on a burning building and not realize that they were going in for their death so man that's crazy it's crazy so if you have a fireman in your family or a police officer or anybody in public figure public um servant positions Thank them because they literally give their lives to save you, military. And I don't know, I, you know, I teach, I mean, I'm in the classroom, but I don't know that I think of giving my life for people that I don't know. That's not the same for me in the classroom. Well, now that we have all these classroom shootings, maybe it is, I don't know. But if you know somebody that's, works in one of those positions, you thank them and you appreciate them. And, you know, we have a lot of issues with police in this country. But when you think about um, the people who died and the way that they died in that building, and you think about the sacrifices that people make for people they don't know, that's a big deal. So just give a shout out to somebody that you know, you appreciate them for putting their life on the line each day. Um, and lastly, about the 9-11 celebration or the uh, remembrance. And I say a celebration because it's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of resilience of our country that is still unmatched anywhere that we are a great country and we're safe. And we took a hit, right? So that, but most, anything great takes a hit. We can't come out unscathed, right? So last December, I had the opportunity of visiting Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we drove from Pittsburgh to, um, let's see, a little tiny city, the Flight 93 Memorial in Stoystown, Pennsylvania. Now, what I didn't know about that, and this will make me just want to cry because it's so emotional when you think about it um so this flight so there were four planes two at the world trade center one at the pentagon i have not visited the pentagon and then this one is stoysville pennsylvania so the one in stoysville pennsylvania was the one that was supposed to go to the white house hi stephanie hi kim hi reginald so the one that crashed in Stoysville, Pennsylvania, was should have gone to the White House. That was the plan. So I knew that, but I didn't know what happened. And I guess when you're overwhelmed with information about it and you're helpless, you stop asking for information. But during my visit, what I found out is that here's a plane that's going to the White House to crash. Now we already know that the two hit the World Trade Center. We know that the Pentagon is hit, and then there's this other plane. Well, the terrorist is on the plane, and they get into the cockpit. They get on the speakerphone, and they say, we are terrorists, there are terrorists on this plane, or we are whoever we are, and we're taking over the plane. Here's the kicker. They didn't say that to the airplane control center, who they thought they were talking to. They said it to the passengers on the plane. So the passengers know that the plane has been taken over by terrorists. So in Stoysville at the memorial, it's literally a field. It was almost like an area and it didn't hit anything, any houses, anything. The plane hit in the middle of a field and it was almost like this area was designated to receive the amazing power and energy of that was 
a part of this plane of this uh, this moment right because it's like hollowed ground right it's it's crazy and so okay so they make this announcement to the control center to say we are redirecting the flight we're not going here because you have to let air, air traffic control know where you're moving or then it becomes something else but they wanted to let them know we now have possession of the plane and we're we're going where we want to go and they were going to the white house but instead of announcing it outside of the plane they announced it in the plane so now you've got the passengers on the plane imagine if you've ever flown anywhere before you've got the passengers on the plane talking about there's a terrorist there are terrorists on the plane the world trade center like they know and they said we've already got we hit the world trade centers so they are admitting to that so the passengers hit hear this and then they start panicking here's the kicker at the time you remember those phones that were on the plane where you could pick them up and call they were making calls home to tell their to tell their families i'm dying today and when you at the memorial you can listen to the messages you can listen to the calls where they left messages on voicemails and they have them in a phone bank where you can listen to them there's um a lady who called her husband um and she said i'm gonna die today the plane has been taken over by terrorists the World Trade Centers have been hit. I'm not coming home. The, the combination to the safe is blah, blah, blah. Take care of this person, this person, I love you. Like these are actually calls of people that are dying. They know they're gonna die. and. Fortunately for me, and I don't know for you guys, I've never been in a situation of knowing that I'm gonna die. I could think it, I hope I don't die. If I die, I can think it and I can plan it and that'll go into the next segment in just a minute, but I can think it and I can, I can think what I'll do if I'm dying. But these are people that actually know they're in an airplane, it's a full flight. There's a flight attendant that has flown for like 20 something years it was her last flight she was retiring it was her last flight she was on the flight there was another flight attendant who was pregnant there was is just so many the variation of people the degree of people on the plane you wouldn't guess so what happened the passengers started talking we're not going to the white house we're not going anywhere we'll take this plane down right now we're not going so they took over the passengers took over the plane with the terrorist on it the pilot is dead and they crashed the plane in stoysville pennsylvania flight 93. amazing story of courage and even just the resilience of being american just knowing that if i'm gonna die i'm gonna go down i'm gonna go down fighting for the country that is taking care of me i'm gonna go down in this this you don't get to take over my country even if i know that i'm gonna die so that was very powerful for me listening to the calls going down to the site seeing where the plane crashed and then also there's the outdoor memorial and you walk about um more a little more than half a mile to get to the observatory of the to get to the observatory of where the you can't go to where the plane crashed you can see it like from a over like a over um like a platform and then they have these tall pillars that's got the names of every person on the flight that died how old they were what their occupation was and it's crazy because the details that go into these memorials is phenomenal when you look at the timetables at what time things boom 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 what time the um attacks happened what was the response of the um public safety you know so when you look at all of that and you think 
how to respond in case of an emergency. And we still don't know. We still expect our borders to be safe. We still expect no one to come into our backyard and take us. We still expect that, right? And But what do we do? We just have to keep living and try to figure it out. So today was pretty emotional for me and not because, and I don't even know that I know a single person that died on 9-11, but I know that part of me died with them. I know that part of my idea of what safety was and being American died and was reborn on that day. I know that, right? I know that I changed that day. I know that the way that I lived changed that day. I know that the way that I took care of my kids changed that day and the way that I moved around the country and I move around the world, all of that would change that day. And just hats off to it. I'm, I'm an American. I say all the time in conversation and some people hate it. I'm a black American woman. I can do and say anything that I want and I'm protected by the fact that I'm American. It doesn't matter. I can travel in and out of other countries. I'm an American. And people respect the fact that you say, I'm American. And they'll ask, are you American? I am. And they want to take care of you. And um, that's a big deal for me. So I just wanted to share that. I don't know what your 9-11 experience was today. I hope that it was um, something pretty amazing. I hope that you just had some time to reflect on where you were and to share with somebody about what it meant to you. And just to think about the last moments of people who were completely involved in it. So I know I was so sappy today and I felt like it earlier. I said that as soon as I started. So I'm Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. So real quick to make our transition, my Woman Crush Wednesday is um, this lady. Her name is Janella. And, you know, tonight, I mean, before I say Janella, tonight I decided I would do the podcast on the Joy Exposed so that I could share it. But it doesn't seem like I'm able to get as much exposure on this than I am on the regular Joycelyn Wells website. So I'm going to have to figure that part out what I'm going to do about it. So, um, of course, this will be uploaded on, um, I misspelled it. Of course, this will be uploaded on, um, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, and of course, SoundCloud. If you have not followed me on SoundCloud, please do. I need that so much. So SoundCloud is just a music, it's like a indie artist play station where you can go on and listen to various music, podcasts, talk shows, that kind of thing. And it's free to join. So you don't have to pay money to join. So if you go on SoundCloud and I'll put the link on, then you can um, just uh, follow me on there and uh, that would be great. I would definitely appreciate it because, you know, I'm trying to build an audience and I'm doing pretty good. So I can't, you know, I'm not complaining about it, but uh, every day, one day at a time, right? So we'll take care of that. So anyway, back to my Woman Crush Wednesday. So on Wednesdays, I have a Woman Crush Wednesday and today she is freaking awesome. She's always so jazzy and just so yummy every time I see her. Her name is Janella Broom. And I met Janella through my cigar club. And she is probably about 5'10". She's tall and she's chocolate and she has this magnetic smile and um, and she's always just jazzy. You know, you always see people that has have this like funky way of dressing and they have it like all together. And you're looking like, oh, I have jean shorts. I have a white shirt. I have a hat, but I don't look like that when I put it on, right? And that's who she is. She just has this really unique style about her. She, She's just so much fun, and uh, she's a mom. She loves cigars. She works. She owns her own business, and I just love her energy, and I spent some time with her last evening um, at the golf course. And as we were talking, I was thinking, like, this is a woman that I should cross paths with every now and then because she reminds me what my freedom means to me because she's free and she said that she's always been like that since she was younger that she's always been free so that's really cool to me so janella broom is my woman crush wednesday so i thought i'd share that here um okay so what else now it's time i only have 
like 20 minutes left because I got so caught up in 9-11. So let me get it together. You guys know I'm so freaking sappy. Oh, yeah, I'm so, so Stephanie said the way we all live changed that day. Me and the kids were in front of those buildings one month before this tragedy. So that's something that she plays over and over in her mind, I'm sure. That I could have been here and I could have been here. I, if this had happened on 8-11 or 8-12, she would have been there, right? And that's crazy, Stephanie. I totally understand that thought process on it. And we all, families changed tremendously. The way that we operated changed, absolutely. So it's crazy. So I'm going to move forward to my topic now. So this will put a little pep in my step, I guess. Uh, or maybe not. It's just really interesting. So one of the things that people always say is that, and women may say it to men too, but I always hear it more so men to women, is that you think too much. People are like, you think too much. And I made a video on it and I never posted it because I keep thinking about it. Like, is this what I want to say? <laughs> so the video is probably 10 months old and I'm like, I'm not ready to post it yet. Is let me let me think about it. Let me listen to it again. Let me. So I all and I say, you know what? I don't think too much. This is who I am. And if you can't handle a thinker, or you don't want, then I'm not the person for you. But I do. I process a lot of information, and I process the information based on the fact that in my life, on my path, there are a lot of options. So I have to look at situations on where to move. Now the key to looking at situations and processing and overthinking is that it's not something that's detrimental to who you are. And I've done that, I've been there. That's called ruminating, right? And we probably all ruminate. You have an issue, think of it like this. You have a bill due and you don't have the enough money to pay the bill. You have the bill due, you don't have enough money to pay it. You know you don't have enough, but what do you do? You keep thinking about it over and over. If I don't pay it, then this is going to happen. If I don't pay it, then this is going to happen. If I ask this person, this is going to happen. If they say yes, then this is going to You keep going over and over and over and over and over that you don't do anything. You don't ask anybody. You still don't have the money to pay the bill. And then you don't pay the bill. And so now the bill is late. So there's never an action taken on it it's just the thought about it and that's ruminating where you think in a space that's unhealthy or it's not a place of growth for you so let me read the exact definition so I'll give you my hood definition of it psychology today says rumination is one of the similarities between anxiety and depression i've suffered depression i've suffered from anxiety so these are things that are a part of all of our lives. So I don't think it's you suffer from one or the other. I think it's just the way that we process information. Ruminating <clears throat> is simply repetitively going over a thought or a problem without completion. So you think about this over and over and over and over and over, and you don't do anything about it. Another word for rumination could be worry. And we know we can have a tendency to worry, but it's unhealthy. Worrying is unhealthy, and a lot of people will say, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to give it to God. Whatever symbolism you need to release it, release it, right? But when you don't release it and you hold on to it, nothing ever happens to it except you processing over and over and over and over, and it's debilitating. And then I've been in situations where I've processed information over and over and over and over and then finally acted on it. And the results weren't anything like I expected or thought about for weeks ahead of time. I would be so worried about if I called and this and this and this, and then I do it and it's not even nearly that bad. So we have to train our brains to not get caught in the negativity, in the negative thoughts that we possess. One of, um, I remember years ago, there was a pastor, it might've been Joel Osteen, I can't really remember. So if I'm giving credit to Joel Osteen, you know, he can just take credit for it. He's a, he's a good pastor. He has a good sermon, a good um, soft voice. So he, there was a pastor that said, imagine that all around you in your life, there were conveyor belts. 
And on each of the conveyor belts, there were these chalices, like these vases, right? They were all over these conveyor belts. Every conveyor belt went to heaven. Think of it. So you got all these conveyor belts. This is my Dasani. I'm finally opening. So all of these conveyor belts filled with chalices surrounding you, and they're all going to heaven. You have a problem. You have an issue. You don't know how to fix it. You're afraid of it. You're scared of it. Whatever the fuck. You are whatever. So you have this problem. The suggestion is you take the problem, the thought, the thing that you are ruminating over. You take it. You put it in a chalice, and you let it go where? up you let it go away from you to heaven so that it can happen so that it can happen so it can be dealt with so pretty much so it's out of your hands because as long as you hold it nothing's going to happen well what happens is that you put it in there and then you run and you take it out and it never gets released you keep holding on to it so that's what we have to remember when we're talking about ruminating and thinking too much it can be detrimental to us and nothing's going to harm you. I mean, unless you're dragging around kilos in your trunk and go to prison. Hell, even if you go to prison, you're going to be taken care of. But nothing is ever as bad as it seems. We've heard that adage. So we have to make sure that we're aware of that when it comes to us because we get so afraid of what our mind imagines can happen that we don't do anything at all. So even if you are in a negative relationship, if you're in a relationship that's not good for you and you want to leave, but you don't leave, and the reason you don't leave isn't because the relationship isn't good for you. You don't leave because you're worried about or ruminating about what your partner or significant other or husband or wife will do if you leave. You don't have any control over that shit. So we have to understand the only thing that we have control over is ourselves right the only thing that we can say something about the only thing that we can change is ourself so you have to not worry about what somebody else's movements are going to be because you don't have enough clarity and wherewithal to see another person's movement as it is so we have to get out of the habit of holding on to thoughts that aren't going to be productive for us. So rumin so you just kind of stop with the ruminating, I guess. You kind of just like you have an idea, you think about it. And I do it. I'll think about it a couple times. I'll talk about it. And then I'll eventually I'll say, okay, I'm done talking about it. And I and I'm done talking about it. Because you get tired of hearing yourself talk about it. Every everybody's not like that though. Some people can talk about the same thing over and over every time i can't so i have to make myself stop it's like I'm, I'm done and i say it out loud i'm done talking about it because i have to remind myself i've shut it down so i don't know that i'm ever going to think less what i do know is that i have to think more positive i do know that i have to put myself in a position of action to be proactive and not reactive and that helps me to take my steps a little easier and I also know that when I'm processing a lot of thoughts, because sometimes I do, that I'll say, I have a lot of thoughts today. I'm thinking a lot. My mind is racing. I've got, and not to make it negative, I'll even say, I have so many awesome ideas. Because if it's something that's flowing through me, it's going to be on the cusp of something great. But that's a part of changing the negative thought to a positive thought. And that's really difficult for people who aren't surrounded with positive people or who don't see themselves as a purpose, as God's purpose, right? Each one of us, we're God's purpose. So when um, talking about thinking too much, it's okay to think too much. You just can't let your negative thoughts hold you in place, just like you can't let negative people hold you in place, negative situations. So you release them, right? You're ruminating. We're not, we're going to try to do better with that. Well, I am, and I hope you guys join me. So let's see, there are five ways to stop ruminating that I got out of this psychology magazine. I'm going to read these to you. So five ways to stop ruminating. The first is to catch yourself in the act. So you know you're ruminating. 
you know when you start stressing about something, thinking about it over and over, trying to, you're like, oh shit, I'm ruminating again. Like I'm thinking too much. You call yourself on it, right? That's the first thing. So check in with yourself and see what you're thinking about. Uh-oh, it's turning around. I think I can do, let me see if I can do a screen lock because this isn't good for me right now. Is that it? That's not it. I always need my son to help me learn how to use my phone. Oh, there we go. All right. Okay. So you catch yourself in the act. So you identify yourself. The second thing is to distract yourself. Do something to make yourself realize, I don't have to do this. I, I don't have to think about this over and over. I can't do anything with it right now. It's going to happen, but I need to. I'm going to go do something else. Go do something else. Go out. Go take up golf go bowling, go read, go watch TV, whatever, you know that you're going to have to deal with the inaction of it at some point, but you can't keep thinking about it, right? So if you know something's happening on Monday, it makes no sense for you to start thinking about it on Thursday all the way to Monday. So we don't need to do that. And then this is so intuitive because I just said this, designate future thinking time. If you know that you're doing too much and you shut it down, you say, oh, I'll deal with this on Monday. I can't, it's Thursday, I can't do anything all weekend, so I'll talk, I'll deal with it on Monday again. That stops you from thinking about it all through the weekend. And then wait until then, the fourth thing is to wait until then to spill your thoughts at the appointed hour. At two o'clock, you sit there and say, okay, it's time for me to think about this, and you go through it. And probably by then, you'll have a clear thought on what your path is or what you're supposed to do, and it's definitely taking away the stress of thinking about it over and over and over. And I'm horrible. I, well, I was, I'm better now, but I used to be horrible at that. I would stress all freaking weekend about something that was supposed to happen Monday. And then Monday come and the person I was stressing about or the situation, this shit didn't even happen. So I've wasted all this time stressing because of what my mind thought was gonna happen, like what it conjured up. And I have a very creative mind. You guys know that I'm very creative and uh, I have to make sure that I am aware of how much of what is in my mind could be embellished, could be made up, whether it's about somebody I'm dating, whether it's about my children, whether it's about even with my kids. I used to worry like crap about my children. I wonder what they're, I haven't talked to them. Duh, duh. I would worry myself sick. I couldn't sleep, all this. And then I got to a point of, and then they call me like a day later, like, hey, mom, what's up? And I'm like, hey, mom, what's up? Like, I've been worried sick. And they're like, why? Da, 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 da. So I had to realize I was wasting my opportunities of growth and movement and happiness, ruminating over things that I had no control over. So that's a big deal. And then lastly, let go of what you can't change. If it's not yours, it's not yours. If it's not, I mean, hell, people come to you and bring you problems. If you can't do nothing about it, you can't do nothing about it. So you have to just say, oh, so you have to just say, I can't do anything about it. So that ain't got nothing to do with me. Those are my prime words right there. Somebody's telling me something. What you think about this? Which I'm like, oh, that ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> It's horrible, but it's true, right? We have to understand that we can only uh, we can only operate in our lane. We can't do something in somebody else's lane. We were uh, we can only do our own lane. I can't I can't worry about it. I can't stress about my kids, my daughters. Now my son, I can I can work with him. But my daughters are adults, and I'm sitting up worrying about them. You know what I do now with my daughters? They don't know this. They'll know once they watch this. If, I'm, if I worry about them, if I feel like I haven't talked to them in a bit, I'll go look on social media. I'll look on Facebook to see the last time they were active on Messenger. <laughs> and if they were active like an hour ago, 30 minutes ago, whatever, whatever, then I'm like, oh, they're good. But that, that was a way for me to remove my inaction and my negative worry habits about them the problem women we have a huge problem with it i don't think men ruminate nearly as much as we do men are chill men are like 
that shit ain't got nothing to do with me. I'll deal with that Tuesday. And we get upset. I'm worried and you're not worried. You act like you don't care. You thought it up. We start snapping and they looking like, I can't do nothing to Tuesday. Like, what you want me to do? You want me to worry with you? You want me to cry with you? You want me? And then they say, you thinking too much. You overanalyzing. You, and then we take those things as, um, they're being critical of us, right? Well, you know what? We are overthinking, but it's who we are. It's, you know, what we do. We are overanalyzing. We've looked at 100 situations from how to get from here to the market. Well, if I go now, I'll do this. If I go now, I'll do this. If I've gotten so bad with if something needs to be done, I just do it. I don't even think about it. I ordered a new scale the other day. I opened the scale. I just took the scale out of the box. I flipped it over. I was like, damn, the scale needs battery, right? Damn, it needs batteries. I got my purse. I got up. I went to the store, got batteries, came back home. I didn't even, there was no question about, am I going to go now? Am I going to go later? That's how much I've gotten over just spending time on something. Because otherwise, I would have been like, I'll go tomorrow. Or I'll get them. You know what? I got up and went to the store, came back. Well, how about I came back? <laughs> Pick the box up because I was going to put it in the recycling. And it was some damn batteries in the box. Batteries came with the scale. <laughs> but I've gotten to the point of just take care of it. Just take care of it that I didn't even think to look in there. I didn't even, even the direction said the batteries, that, the batteries are in here. Only use them for two months. I was like, ain't no batteries in there. I didn't see them. And I just went to get the batteries. So we do that all the time. And another big issue for me, I used to do that with my credit. Like I, I was scared of paying. I was scared of paying my bills. I don't know if I was scared of paying them or if I didn't have the money to pay them. Whatever it was, I would stress the hell out about it forever. And now all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, well, I know it's due. I pay it. And it took it takes so much stress off of you to just face something head on instead of sitting wallowing in this miserable space right so i guess 956 so that hour went by fast i think i uh mentioned earlier that you your time is important here on this planet and we never know when we're at the end of what we're going to do when we have to be the hero or what we have to do we never know but we always have to be prepared for it so we don't really have a lot of time to waste in our empty thoughts, in our worry, in the negative interactions with people. Um, we don't have to do that anymore. And we want to move forward. We want to be in a good space with, um, we want to be in a good space with who we are and you know what we're doing. And if it's our time to go, it's our time to go. So tonight was special to me just for the reasons I celebrated with three cheers of joy and the fact that I got to talk about 9-11 because that was a that's a big deal for me. That was huge. And I often wonder if given the opportunity to be a hero, would I in fact be a hero? Or would I spend my time ruminating about what I could be doing or what should happen? Or will I be able to take action? And that's a big deal because I need to be a hero. I want to be great. I want my legacy to be great. What I leave for generations to come behind me, for my children, I want that to be great. And if I'm going to do that at 50, I really don't have a lot of time to sit up wondering about if I'm doing something right. I just have to go do it. So thank you for joining me on September 11th, Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed, Facebook Live, and um, talking with me about the World Trade Center and Flight 93, and hopefully I'll get to visit the Pentagon to, you know, say that I've been to all these places and that I've been a part of all of the energies lost there and just the the day that America changed, right, just to be a part of it. Um, all of it and just to be able to share the stories with those who come behind me and thank you so much for talking with me about ruminating and trying to get better and not worrying and Sheila says she worries about her son he's in Idaho and he's like what is it I'm fine <laughs> that's what they're like what what's what happened right so we have to be uh 
not worrying, trying not to worry as much. And she also says she worries so much for other people. And you can't worry for other people because you don't have any control over them. You can't alter their steps. You can't make them do. You can't see their thoughts. So we can't worry for other people, only our own lane. And that's the best we can do for ourselves and other people is to manage ourselves. And Stephanie said that she was pro she thought she was procrastinating. You are handling it very well if that's what you're doing. And you're putting aside some thinking time and then you go back to it. That's not procrastinating. Procrastinating is different. <laughs> so anyway, it's uh, Wednesday, uh, September 11th, 9-11. And today we celebrated 2,977 2, souls that we lost in uh, our terrorist attack on our soil. And not to mention the number of families and people connected and who will forever, ever, ever, ever be affected by the thoughts. Um, but it also goes to talk about the goodness and the resilience of being American, whatever that means to you, that we are here and we are free. And if you're here and you don't feel free, Stop thinking about it and move forward. Do something different. So it's Joyce Lenoels with Joy Exposed. And remember, when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. And I'll see you guys next week.